It's a very beautiful testimony to the risen Lord that we that that we have today. They're all they're all beautiful. They all bring out some aspect. Um, I think that this I particularly love this story from this witness of Saint John because one of the things that Saint John is trying to do in his gospel is he's trying to help us understand the sacraments of the church. If you have a kind of a, the ear for it as you read it, or the eye when you read it, you kind of you know think that it's about the sacraments. You'll you'll uh, you'll you'll start the spot uh, where he's talking about uh, these things. And uh, here I think we have um, the, the the paradigm, a paradigm for the Eucharist, which is um, the crucified and risen one appears in the midst of them. He shows them his hands and his side. He's alive. He's real. And then he breathes into them and recreates them. And we come here week by week and we come to encounter the crucified and risen one uh, to see his uh, the wounds of his uh, the wounds of sin and, 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 the, and the human rejection of the Lord which have been transformed into the signs of mercy and forgiveness. And the crucified risen one breathes new life, breathes his spirit into us, and we're we're made new. I say over and over again, um, because it's so important to understand that the the, serve, the Eucharistic service of breaking the bread week by week. What did they do after the resurrection? They listened to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They were faithful in the prayers and in the breaking of the bread. This is about the Eucharist. Uh, it's so important, not because we miss out on a little inspiration, and not because we miss out on a little what um, moral instruction. I mean, hope there's inspiration, hope there's moral instruction. But it's life. It's his life breathing through us, through the word that is open, through the bread that is broken. So he appears suddenly in the midst of them, and they are afraid. Now they were, this is not a change because they were afraid before he appeared to them. And they had very good reason to be afraid. There were plenty of people to be afraid of. They could be afraid of the Roman authorities. They could be afraid of the mob that yelled crucify and might want to have the same, might want to have them crucified as well. Uh, so that there's at least, there's, there's, there's at least those things that they're afraid that what happened to him might also happen to them. They're, very reasonably afraid because of the uncanniness of the, of the experience. They thought he was dead, and there he is suddenly in front of them. It's, it's, it's awesome, it's numinous, it's, it's eerie. So that's a human reaction is fear in that sense. But then there's, I think, another reason why they're afraid. Because there he is, suddenly in the midst of them, and clearly he has the power of life and death. And he shows them his hands and his side. And what can I think of except the night in which he was betrayed and that they all fled? Some of us are old enough to remember a, a Disney actor uh, named Dean Jones. And I think I, I, he was in a bunch of Disney films. And I think it was at Herbie or something like that. It was, uh, uh, I think it was, it was a Volkswagen car. Right, yeah, that's what it was. And he was a great comedic actor. You don't think of him as like a serious person. He was a very serious Christian. And with his own dollar, he, 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 he produced a one-man play 
about, about the Gospel of John called St. John in Exile. St. John is old. He's on the island of Patmos. He's been sent there because of the persecution of the Christians. And he's writing his Gospel. And uh, wow, this guy can act. And I, I, uh, I recommend it to you. You can, you can get it on YouTube, I think. I think, I, I think you can get it both on Amazon and YouTube. But I do recommend it. St. John in Exile, Dean, Dean, Dean Jones. It's a, it's a very moving play. It's got some funny things in it. Uh, he's writing his gospel, and um, his cell is searched all the time for contraband Christian literature. So he leaves, he leaves an installment of the gospel where it can be found easily. And so the, the commander of the, of the, uh, you know, the, the Roman troops that are the guards, of, the guards on this prison island is increasing the frequency with which he inspects the cell so he can get the latest installment of the gospel this morning. <laughs> Miss out of it. Oh, what is that? Oh, I don't know what that is, Commander. I don't know. Nothing to do with me. So he takes it. But uh, it's, he's reminiscing about his life with Jesus. And there's a very moving scene in that, in that play where... You know, Jewish men, when they pray, they have a prayer shawl. And when they pray, they, they, they put the shawl up over their head. And, uh, and he's, he, he's starting to talk about the night in which Jesus is betrayed. And Judas betrays him with a kiss. And the guards come to the garden of Gethsemane. And he starts to weep. And then he starts to quote the Jewish Psalms of Lamentation. And... Um, and then he says, he really starts to moan, and he says, um, we all betrayed him. We all ran away. Judas didn't know what he was doing, but we all knew. And he weeps. So well, well, well they were afraid when the Lord appears in their midst. They were afraid for their safety. They were afraid because they didn't understand. And they were afraid because guilt produces fear. And what will happen to them now? And then he shows them his hands and his side. The scars transfigured. And he, he, he says, uh, Shalom. And he breathes. Now, peace. My peace I give you, not as the world gives. Shalom is this incredibly important word in the scriptures. Um, it is the peace of the kingdom which God promises to bring, where there is perfect, perfect peace between heaven and earth, perfect peace between humanity and God, and perfect peace between brothers and sisters. Um, it's the peace the Messiah brings. And it's the Jubilee peace. It's the peace where debts are forgiven, sins are forgiven, where the slate is wiped clean, where there's a new beginning. One of the things that is going on in the Gospel of St. John is that John is teaching us to uh, understand who Jesus is by referring us back to the book of Genesis. So he's helping us understand Jesus by bringing forward the book of Genesis, and then he's helping us understand the book of Genesis by leading us to read it through Jesus. Now where 
have we spotted God breathing before? We've spotted God breathing before in the book of Genesis when Adam is formed out of the ground and he's literally a lump of dirt until God puts life into him. And how does he put life into him? He puts life into him by breathing into him. And so here are these men, and they're dead in sin, fear, and guilt. And he shows them his hands and his side, which are at the same time the mark of God's judgment on sin and the sign of God's forgiveness of sin. And he breathes into them and raises them from the dead, and he makes them new. He makes them into people such that Luke in the book of Acts quotes the citizens of a town where the apostles come to preach the gospel. These men that have turned the world upside down have appeared here also. Quite a change, isn't it? Thomas isn't there, and uh, he doesn't believe, and so he gets this moniker, uh, Doubting Thomas. It's a little bit unfair. He was one of the most courageous amongst them. When he wanted to go back to Galilee, he, where he was almost certain to run into trouble with the crowds, the rest of them didn't want to go, and Thomas says, let's go with him. They'll die with him there. That'll be fine. But it's hard to believe. Doubt is human. Doubt is human. There's no way to make, there's no way to know anything without overcoming some level of doubt. Not even, um, the majesty of modern science leaves us without the challenge of doubt. Science doesn't give us absolute 100% certainty. Science gives us the best explanation of the evidence at hand. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the best explanation of the evidence at hand both of the empty tomb and of the change in the apostles and the explosion of the church. But Thomas doubted. And doubt is human and doubt is natural. And then Jesus in his mercy leads Thomas to belief. And he does it in this way. He says, he shows him his wounds. And he says, here, put your finger here. Now the scripture doesn't really tell us whether he stuck his finger in there or not. I think, is it Caravaggio? That's the, the bonus question for the day. Who is the great Renaissance uh, painter that shows Thomas sticking his finger in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the side of the board? There's something there. There's something there. We put our, we put our hand on our sin. We put our hand on our rejection of God. We put our hand on our indifference to God. We put our hand on our betrayal of God and our betrayal of our neighbor. And just there, God needs us. He breathes into us. He gives us new life. God recreates us and he makes us new. Here's what St. Peter says in the epistle we have today. By his great mercy, he's given us a new birth and the living hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he's called us to go forth and be his witnesses. That there is a new life with God and with each other that begins now, in which the grave cannot hold, in which the Lord brings forth at great price, the price of the cross and the power of the resurrection, breathes into us.
power of the Holy Spirit. And we're witnesses of these things. And we're witnesses both of the credibility of the first witnesses. And we're witnesses that we come here week by week. And the risen Lord shows us his hands and his side and touches us. And breathes his forgiveness and his peace into us. And makes us new. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.